Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me now is UFC middleweight Eric Anders. Eric, welcome back to Half the Battle. Hey, man. Always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you having me. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So uh, I know you saw Marlon Marais versus Jimmy Rivera the other night. What did you think about that? I thought it was a sick head kick, man. You know, I was watching TV and, you know, watching the fight. And, uh, man, it was just a beautiful setup. And, uh, man, just the sound that that made, that, that shin off his dome, it was just, man, it sounded like somebody, you know, uh, somebody hitting a home run. Man, the crazy thing about it is Jimmy had his hands up, and it's not like he really did anything wrong. It was more about what Marlon did right, and to snap a dude's 25 win streak. Were you surprised that he didn't even get a chance to fight? Uh, man, you know, that's the thing about, you know, MMA. You know, anything can happen at any given moment, so... Man, you know, it, it was a beautiful setup. You know, he made uh, Jimmy Rivera cover up by throwing jabs, and in the middle of the jab, he threw a switch kick. So, man, beautiful setup by uh, by Marlon Morales, and you know, it's a uh, you know, it's just pretty cool to see somebody with that level of striking. Man, it, it must be crazy for Jimmy because you know he trained that entire camp for that left kick, and then to get caught with it within thirty seconds, that must suck, man. Man, you know, it's uh, you know. But in my opinion, though, to be honest, you know, I think it's better to go out on your, on, on your shield like Jimmy did. You know, he got dropped and he was still trying to fight. Um, and, you know, the ref stopped the fight like he should have. I think it was a good stoppage. Uh, then to lose where I lost a real close decision after five rounds of fight. So, you know, maybe they give him a rematch. Maybe he works himself, uh, works his way back up uh, and gets that fight again. We'll see what happens with uh, they ever fight again. Well, you brought up your fight with Leota Machida. You know, you got the opportunity to headline a UFC card with him in Brazil. It's funny because a year ago, you're fighting, you know, less than a year ago, you're fighting Brendan Allen in the main event at LFA. And then you're in the UFC, you're fighting Rafael Natal, you're fighting uh, Marcus Maluco. Then all of a sudden, you're in a main event with Machida. Uh, What was that whole experience like, man, being locked in the cage with a legend? Man, you know, it it was cool, you know. Uh, I, I didn't approach the fight as though I was fighting. Uh, Leoto the legend, you know, I, I approached that fight just like I do every other fight. You know, I was just a guy that was in my way trying to, you know, make my way and crack that top 15. So, you know, I, I don't think, I, you know, I wasn't starstruck. I wasn't like, oh, my God, that's Leoto Machida. You know, I just, you know, before the bell rang, I was like, man, that's the guy I got to knock out to, to get that number next to my name. So, in training camp, I mean, you know that the dude's super elusive. So, when it actually came down to the fight itself, were you surprised with uh, his distance and his movement and all that? Man, not really. You know, I kind of knew that he would skate, you know, skate around the skirt of the cage and, you know, stay outside that little black circle and keep his back up against the cage. Um, The thing about it was, uh, Matt, you know, I had an elbow injury uh, leading into that fight, so... Man, if you watch the fight, you know, it's really hard for me to box him in uh, with my right hand, you know, just because, you know, I was in a lot of pain. And so I was just relying too much on my left hand uh, in takedowns. And when I did rock him, you know, I kind of smothered myself instead of st- uh, and tried to wrestle instead of taking a step back and connecting with some follow-up shots. So, man, definitely a good learning experience. Uh, had elbow surgery, so I'm, I'm good to go and, and ready to rock. So, in your opinion, is that injury part of the reason why the knockout didn't materialize? Um, well, I think that, you know, I mean, if you watch the fight, the only punch I threw was some uh, um, jabs that, you know, I couldn't get full extension on, and my left hand, there was really nothing else. So, 
Uh, I think when you're limited in the, in the strikes that you can throw, it definitely hinders your performance. But at the same time, uh, I don't want to sit here and make excuses for myself. You know, uh, you got to adapt and overcome because, uh, you know, what happens if I break my hand in the middle of a fight or something like that. So, um, you know, it, I think the whole fight, the whole thing was just a, a great learning experience for me moving forward. And, uh, you know, um, you know, maybe not smother myself so much. So not smothering yourself, do you think that's the adjustment you'd make if you guys ever ran it back? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like if you look at the hop in on the tall fight, you know, I kept my distance. I measured with my jab uh, and caught him with two lefts, which, which ended up knocking him out. So, you know, that's definitely what I wanted to do with uh, with Leoto. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, I definitely could have been more active with my hands. And, uh, you know, I, I think the pressure is a, a virtue of mine. You know, I, I think it, would, you know, makes me a, a great fighter is that, you know, I don't rush things, but I think it kind of backfired in the fight against Machida. Look, man, I know you're a game day competitor, and, you know, you mentioned that you weren't starstruck at all, but, you know, when you're in there with a guy like Brendan Allen, I know it's business as usual, but when you were in there with Machida, is it at all, like, that's Machida? Not at all. You know, it, it could have been Marcus Perez, it could have been Hoppe Elmetal, it could have been anybody. It really doesn't matter the name or the face of my opponent, you know. I'm just trying to go in there, get him out of there, and move up the ranks and collect these checks. So, you know, I wasn't able to get it done. Um, you know, I went back and watched the fight, and, you know, and with a completely unbiased opinion, I think that I won rounds two, three, and four, and uh, he got one and five. So, you know, um, my opinion really doesn't matter, you know, so uh, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I scored it the same way, but as we know, the only opinion that matters is the three judges. But, uh, you know, when you're in there, I mean, do you take a lot of confidence out of that experience knowing that, you know, two years ago, maybe three years ago, you were an amateur fighter? Um, Man, you know, I, I, I trained my ass off. So the level of success and, you know, being in the main event and my, my, my third UFC fight is no surprise to me. And if you know me, if you trained with me, uh, then you would know that too. So, you know, it's really no surprise to me, the, you know, the success that I'm having and, you know, I'm just continuing to move up. You know, I also think that, you know, Leoto knocking out uh, Vitor uh, you know, definitely helps my case in that regard as well. So, you know. Yeah, no, speaking of that, on that event, man, your last two opponents actually both went out there and... Uh and finish the fights, you know, it's funny because everyone that listens to the show Half the Battle, they know we bet the house on Marcus Perez to beat James Bachnevich. He goes out there, finishes him in the first round, and obviously, you know, Leota front kick knocked out Vitor. So, what do you think when you watch uh, your former opponents go out there and dominate like that? Um, you know, I, I think it definitely makes me look better, you know. Um, you know, Leota, you know, he's super savvy. He's been around the world. He's fought the who's who. He's done everything, so... Um, you know, he's very creative and, you know, he, uh, he's a vet, you know, he's crafty and he knows how to score a fight, you know? So I think that he did the minimum, uh, that he could do in each round to, to win. So, you know, a guy with, with 30 fights, like he's had, he's been around forever, you know, those are just things that you pick up. So you were an undefeated fighter going into that fight, and obviously, you know, everyone has to take that first L. No one is exempt. So now that you did take your first pro L, did you kind of find out uh, who really had your back? Because I would assume uh, some people jumped off the bandwagon. 
Uh, I, I tell you what, the uh, the amount of mixed missed calls and text messages, Facebook message, Instagram, you know, people reaching out to me on social media is a lot less after a after a loss than it is a win. But at the same time, you know, I think the internet thinks that I won that fight too. So you know, there's a lot of you know, you know, back and forth, you know, bickering and arguing between fans and you know uh, other fighters as well about who actually won the fight. So you know. Um, maybe that's a better question for Jimmy Rivera, you know, right. he, you know, there's, there's no discrepancy in who won or lost that fight. So, you know, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I know in the world of sports is very much so what have you done for me lately? So, you know, you could be the greatest thing since, you know, since whatever, you know, one day take a few L's and then, you know, you're back to being a nobody. So. You know, I've already had that experience once with football, so, you know, uh, I, I learned, you know, several years ago, you know, what have you done for me lately? There's, I think there's zero loyalty, yeah, especially in, in the world of sports. So I heard you mention in another interview that, you know, you have a 24-hour a rule where, you know, win or lose, you know, you soak in all the feelings that's associated with that. What what, what do those 24 hours entail, man? Uh, well, you know, it was frustrating uh in the Yellow fight uh simply because it was super close and i fought five rounds and i could have fought you know 10 more rounds at that pace you know, i wasn't breathing hard wasn't fatigued at all and i think that if a fight goes to a decision uh you know you should go you know you should be exhausted you know you should have done everything that you could have to, to get that win and i certainly didn't do that so you know i was just a little frustrated in myself uh with my performance and whatnot um, but usually, you know, I, I try not to eat the cheese, you know, uh, I've had a, you know, a great deal of success in the sport, but, you know, if you believe everything everybody tells you and this, that, and the third, you know, uh, you know, it, I, 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 the best analogy I can call, I can think of is, you know, eating the cheese, you know, the rat who eats the cheese, you know, he gets caught in that mousetrap. So, man, I try to, uh, you know, not really listen to it, you know, good or bad and, uh, you know, just. Show up in the gym uh, as soon as possible. Start training again. And get ready for the next guy. So this is the second five round fight you've had because obviously, for those that know, you went the five round distance with Brendan Allen and LFA. What kind of lessons did you take away from this one compared to the Brendan Allen fight? Now knowing that this ain't the first time you've been the five round distance. Well, the they, the pace of those two fights were are completely different. You know, uh, when I fought Brendan Allen, and I dropped him in the first round, and. Uh, Man, I, so I just, so those three rounds, you know, rounds one, two, and three, you know, I was just on Brent, you know, uh, trying to get him out of there. Uh, in the Leoto fight, you know, I didn't quite uh, swarm him as much, but definitely smothered myself. So, um, you know, just the, the pace of the fights were totally different, and it's, it's hard for me to compare the two just because of the style of the opponent. Uh, Brent now was very much so in my face, and, you know, especially at first, early in the round, uh, and he engaged a lot more versus Leota, who just kind of danced around the outside of the cage and you know just kind of lit me up with uh, with his big toe there with with leg kicks and whatnot. So you know, um, and I, I really don't know how they score the fights. You know, um, you know Leota with the leg kicks. I don't know if those count as significant strikes or what, but I think if you just walk through somebody's, you know strike and it shouldn't count as, as, as a significant strike but you know um you know but you know i know that i'm able to go five rounds no matter the pace of the fight so 
You know, the Brandon Allen fight, I was like, you know, you really don't know what 25 minutes feels like until you fight for 25 minutes. Um, so I, I just feel like at whatever pace it is, you know, I, I can, I'll be in there. Can you really blame Lyoto for having that kind of strategy, though? Because if you're a striker, you know, obviously you don't want to stand and bang with a guy that has your kind of power. So, I mean, can you really blame him for hitting and running? Well, I mean, you know, I don't blame Lyoto at all. You know, he did what he had to do to win. You know, like I said, he's a crafty vet and he's been knocked out in his previous three fights. So, you know, probably standing in the pocket and banging with those guys isn't the, the smartest idea for, for Lyoto. So, um you know, like I said, you know, he did what he had to do, and he kept me from doing what I wanted to do. So, you know, kudos to him. So, man, your next fight just got announced. You're taking on Tim Williams uh, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. What, what's your uh, What were your thoughts when you got the call that you're fighting Tim? Um, you know, Tim and I were supposed to fight. Uh, I don't know, maybe not my debut, but I was definitely supposed to fight in my second fight. Um, but you know, he got suspended for six months for. You know, I don't know if he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs or he admitted to taking something, so they sat him down for six months. Or, you know, um, there was something with the USADA that he couldn't fight for six months, and then I fought Marcus Perez. So, you know, I'm familiar with Tim. Um, you know, I know he's coming off a, a brutal loss uh, here in April, so you know, uh, looking to duplicate the results. Yeah, he had a he struggled with Oscar Pihota. Man, that, that Oscar kid, what do you think about him? Because he's actually fighting Gerald Mershart next. Is he? Yeah. Man, I think that'll be a good fight. You know, I really don't know much about Oscar, but I know that uh, Gerald uh, always shows up to fight. He's always game. And, you know, uh, I think it's no secret that grappling is his game. Uh, you know, I know that Oscar knocked out Tim Williams, but I don't know about his grappling pedigree. So uh, I have a feeling that Gerald, you know, try to maximize his opportunity and get it to the ground. Oh, yeah, Oscar is like a world champion black belt, so I was actually kind of surprised that he knocked out Tim. I thought he was going to choke him out. Uh, well, man, you know, Tim's no slouch on the ground, I don't think, man. You know, he's got uh, several, I think all his wins are either decisions or uh, submissions. So, you know, he's probably uh, not the most talented striker, but definitely something to be uh, to watch out for on the ground. Yeah, he definitely strikes me as like a workman kind of guy. Like, you know, if you start to gas out on a guy like Tim Williams, he'll kind of grind you out that second and third round, you know, that kind of thing. So how does that, you know, how do you feel about fighting that kind of guy? Because it's kind of different than your first three UFC opponents. Well, man, you know, I'm very confident in my my gas tank. So, you know, I fought 25 minutes twice already. So I know the 15 won't be a problem. So, you know, I'm always uh, in tip-top shape and, you know, I – Make sure that my cardio is, is on point as well. So no matter the pace of the fight, he likes to be in your face and put people up against the cage and take them down or whatnot. So um, definitely something we'll game plan for. And no matter where the fight goes, man, you know I'm always confident no matter where the fight takes place, whether I'm on my back, on my feet, up against the cage, or have him on the cage. So you know, I don't think there's a place in the fight that he can make me uncomfortable. Obviously you're ready for anything. But, you know, when you visualize it, Eric, I mean, are you seeing a knockout? Are you seeing a three-round war? What, what do you envision, man? Um, man, you know, I'm always seeking the finish, you know, and uh, my left hand has been able to do that to a lot of people. So, you know, like I said, he just got knocked out in, in, in April, um, and I just don't see him fully recovering and being able to spar and train and do all the things necessary to, to fight again, you know, in just six months. So, you know, um, 
I think uh, when you do that, your chin is definitely more susceptible. You're definitely more susceptible to getting knocked out. So, uh, man, it's no secret, man. I'm definitely going there and trying to put hands on him. Uh, but if it goes to the ground, I'm cool with that. If he, you know, if he's like Marcus Perez and he can just take it, then you know, whatever. You know, we'll beat him up for three rounds. So, uh, it really doesn't matter to me where the fight goes. But you know, uh, I'm definitely always looking to, to knock somebody out. You think you'll ever run into a guy like Marcus Maluka again? Because, you know, obviously I had to study that fight and watch it a million times for when I was betting on Marcus. And, man, uh, the dude's tough as hell. Yeah, you know, Marcus, uh, man, you know, he showed tremendous heart and, and toughness and, you know, got a head full of rocks for sure. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of guys like that in the, uh, in the middleweight division that, you know, they can just take it. Uh, and, then, you know, some guys are looking to take it so that they can give it. So, man, you know, like I said, I'm always confident in my preparation for a fight, including my cardio. So no matter where a fight takes place or how long it takes me to, you know, get somebody out of there, then, you know, I'll be ready for that. In your opinion, man, how much time should you take off after a brutal KO? Because I got a couple examples. Obviously, you got the Bisbing example where, you know, I know it was a submission, a GSP, but between you and me, he definitely got concussed in that fight then he comes back against kelvin a couple weeks later gets absolutely starched but then you see a guy like frankie edgar he got knocked out against ortega he comes back a month later and he beats cub swanson so i've seen both sides of the coin in your opinion uh how much time should someone take off after getting brutally knocked out well i, I think it depends on the on the knockout like frankie did he get slept or did he get like tko it, it's officially a ko but you know it, it's kind of a tko yeah. All right. Well, man, if, like if you get dropped, like either way, man, I think you should take like six months uh, before you start even sparring again and, and taking hits to the head um, in practice, let alone in a fight with a four ounce glove. So, um, you know, I hope that never happens to me. But, you know, that's kind of the life of the fighter. You know, you fight long enough. It's, you know, the knockout is always looming. So I know if it happens to me, it's going to be at least six months before I even start uh, sparring again. And when you don't spar, you know, you kind of lose the timing and the range of things. So, you know, of course, I always hit mitts and, and do jujitsu and whatnot. But, uh, you know, then it takes a few more months to get your timing and range and stuff down when you start sparring and whatnot. So, you know, um, I don't know. You know, it's up to everybody else. I can tell you myself, uh, it'd be more than six months before I fought again. Yeah, no, and I, and I really respect that. I think that's smart. What's it kind of like, you know, back in your football days? Because I know you guys were, you know, slamming heads and people were definitely getting concussed and then you get to play the next weekend. Uh, do you feel like MMA is kind of a safer sport? Uh, well, I think football, nobody, like when I was coming out, uh, that's when all the con concussion protocol and research and stuff was going into, um, you know, concussions and head injuries and stuff. So nobody really knew what they didn't know kind of thing. Uh MMA, uh, I think that, you know, you can be your own worst enemy. You know, you got guys who get in the, you know, slug, especially at the lower level because, you know, you can jump on a bunch of different shows um, all the time, you know, on, on the regional circuit and whatnot. You know, UFC, it's a little bit harder to fight as frequently as you could on the, you know, on the local circuit. Um, but... You know, I think it all depends on how guys train, man. Like, I, I love the gym that I train at because, man, I just don't take – we do a lot of training, a lot of mitt work, and, 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 you know, we definitely spar on whatnot. But, man, we're just not in there trying to kill each other. Uh, 
and you know i just don't take a whole lot of damage in sparring so that when i go into a fight you know i'm healthy i'm good to go you know i don't have a concussion going into a fight with the exception of the leoto fight i don't go into a fight injured or hurt or whatever so um i think it just depends how you train who you train with and, and you know the gym that you train out of so obviously you're not the type to make excuses, but going into that Leota fight, is it at all like, man, this is a main event. I can't pull out of this fight. Oh, man, if I'm able to fight, I'm a fight, you know. Obviously if I like tear tear a ligament or, you know, break something or whatever, I can't fight, I can't fight. But if I'm able-bodied, I'm definitely willing, you know. So I'm going to get in there regardless. So this weekend, man. The middleweight belt is on the line. Obviously, Robert Whitaker is defending against Yoel Romero. Now, I know the first time they fought, you picked Whitaker. You were right. Now, the second time, you know, it's going down about a year later. And I heard that Robert Whitaker had a serious staph infection. It was mistreated. He, I mean, he had to pull out of a title fight with Luke Rockhold, as you remember. Now he's coming back. So I really don't know what the status of him is. All I know is that Yoel is a 2-1 to underdog. What's your opinion on the rematch? Um, I think it's really difficult to beat somebody twice, especially with somebody with, you know, the power and athleticism that uh, um, uh, Romero has. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm with you. I don't know how much, uh, you know, his injuries and infections and stuff are going to hinder hindered his training camp and, and all that other stuff. So and I'm not really sure of the timeline either, you know, of when he got hurt and Got all that stuff. Neither how long ago that was. So, I do know one thing: both guys are going to show up. Um, they're going to fight. Hopefully, uh, you know Romero makes weight, uh, and we'll have ourselves a title fight. But man, it's hard for me to bet against Romero, but or bet against Whitaker. But man, I think I'm going to go with uh, Romero in this one. So. Man, this middleweight division, you know, because you and I have been talking for a while, and uh, you know, a year or two ago. We were mentioning how, you know, the top guys, the Weidmans, the Jacarees, and the Rockholds, but now there's a whole new wave of middleweights coming up. You know, you got guys like Kelvin, you got guys like Jack Hermanson, you got Paulo Costa, you got yourself. So what's your opinion of uh, the emerging uh, middleweight division? Um, I think it's awesome, man. You got a lot of high-level guys that, you know, uh, have youth left, you know, um, and all, all, they're only going to continue to get better. Um, you know, and then we're getting exciting matchups like uh, Uriah Hall and Paulo Costa. You know, I think that's a good matchup. I think it'll be a fun one for the fans. Um, Romero, Whitaker, you know, I think Rockhold's done with 85. You know, so, that, man, there, there's a lot of young guys uh, coming up, a lot of hungry guys as well. Uh, I think the the one that's slipping under the radar the most is uh, uh, Carla De Zapata. Um, he's good. It's good. You know, he's got some notable wins and, uh, man, you know, these, these guys are hungry, man. They're not playing. They're going out there. They're getting finishes. They're putting on exciting fights. So, you know, it's, it's uh, fun to watch and be a part of. Who would you pick if, uh, Jack Hermanson fought Elias? Um, uh, I really haven't seen too many of, uh, Jack's fights, but you know, Elias, you know, he's a lot like, um, I don't know, man, he finds ways to win. Uh, whether he points the guy up like he did Dan Kelly or he takes it to a guy like uh, the last little buddy he fought in England, you know. So, you know, I don't think he's a dumb fighter. I think he's, you know, uh, has has a good fight IQ, probably not the most skilled fighter. Uh, definitely uses cardio as a weapon. So, um, 
it's hard because I don't know really too much about the Jack, but you know, I think Elias beats a lot of guys just off cardio and IQ alone. So I know you saw that Darren Till weight cut video, and you know there was a lot of outrage in the MMA community. But you know, for guys like myself, guys like you that have been around the scene for a long time. I mean, dude, I see that shit on the regional scene every single month. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, how did you kind of respond when you uh, or react when you saw that video? Yeah, don't do that. Don't record yourself going through misery like that. There's no <laughs> need, you know, no one should record that. You know, now Dana White's talking about they're going to uh, move the, the weigh-ins back to 4 o'clock, which, you know, kind of fucks everybody up. You know, just, just be a professional, make weight, you know, Nobody like cutting weight sucks for everybody, regardless if you cut 10 pounds or 30 pounds. It's not fun, you know. So, you know, people don't need to see that. You know, no one feels sorry for I don't feel sorry for you. You know, I think I cut the most weight out of any middleweight. You know, and if I'm if I can cut the weight, then you know, I think everybody else should be able to do the same. So, you know, I have no sympathy or anything like that for you know, you know, that's a choice that he made to fight at 170. If it sucks that bad and it's that grueling, then fight at 185. You know? So, you know. You're not going to see a video of me, you know, cutting weight because, you know, I don't do all that. You know, I think he's a little extra, you know. I think he knew he wasn't going to make weight, so he kind of played for the for the cameras a little bit, you know. How many how many other times have people recorded his weight cut? You know, so, whatever. I just think that... You know, you don't have to broadcast everything. You know, it's not fun for anybody. Yeah, some things are definitely better left unsaid. That's for sure, man. So, look, before I let you go, Eric, three fights into your, into your UFC career. You're already a main event fighter. Now you're getting this showcase fight in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, how do you feel about your career progression, man? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I like the way it's going, you know. Um, obviously, a, a bit of a dip from Machida to, to Tim Williams, but, you know, still looking to go out there and, and, and make the most of the opportunity. You know, I think uh, you take a loss, you know, you just, it's, it's like a, a speed bump along the, on the, along the road. But I think uh, an impressive victory, a, a knockout, uh, a submission, definitely a finish, I'll be able to call my own shot again like I did uh, Machida. So uh, looking to go out there and get a finish and, you know, uh, pick up where I left off with Machida. Well, Eric, man, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now. On Half the Battle, it's always a pleasure, man. The fans can follow you at Eric Anders. Eric, any message for the fans before we go? Hey, man, y'all be sure to tune in uh, July or August 25th, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. I think it's Fox Sports 1. Uh, looking to go out there and put on a show for you guys. Eric, you have a great day, my man. Hey, appreciate it, brother.